you are loved. Like mm-hmm. you're not a mis- like you're not a mistake. You're not like this terrible person because of the way that your body looks or the way that mm-hmm. you even feel in your body. Like yes, you're loved. Like mm-hmm. if we can understand that, then like that's gonna change a lot of things. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. This episode is one of a series of Pursuing Health stories. Here, I feature the inspiring stories of regular, everyday people who've used lifestyle to overcome some incredible health challenges. In this week's episode, I talk with Jessica Esch, who shares her transformation from an overweight teenager struggling with her body image and facing prediabetes, elevated cholesterol, and the potential of gastric bypass surgery to a thriving young adult. Jess's faith played a pivotal role in helping her to reframe her mindset and recognize that her self-worth was not determined by her weight. She shares how some small, consistent changes in her habits have resulted in living a lifestyle that she truly loves and also supports her health. Before we dive into this episode, I do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. I recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. Well, welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm really excited to be here with Jess Esch. Um, who has a wonderful, incredible, inspiring transformation story. And I'm excited to learn more about you and and your story and what you're up to now. So thank you for taking the time to join me and being willing to share here. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Um, so I thought that maybe we could just start at the beginning with Jess as a child and talk a little bit about your health and sort of how your relationship with food and with your body started to develop as a kid? Yeah. Um, so I remember growing up and oddly of all of the things that I can remember, I remember my weight in particular, we, uh, being something that, um, my earliest memory, I want to say I was six or seven. Um, and so I remember actually in the second grade, I was sitting in a class with, um, I had like a table of four and mm-hmm. I was with my friends, uh, Nate, Matt and Ava. And for okay. whatever reason, I don't know why as like, you know, um, <laughs> young kids, we were talking about weight, but they had made the comment of something along the lines like, Oh, I'm 60 pounds. Oh, I'm 65 pounds. And I just remember this like, um, feeling of shame come over me because I remembered that I had stepped on the scale at the doctors like the week before and I was 85 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't remember particularly like noticing my stomach or anything like that. But I remember in that moment, I went, oh, I'm different. Something's Mm. wrong with me. Mm. Um, And so like, that's one of the most vivid memories I have of my childhood. Like, wow. And it's such a young age too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's interesting because I I think back to my childhood and I was involved in Girl Scouts. My mom was super active in my life. But like the things that actually stick out were kind of my struggles with weight and the ways that Mm -hmm. I perceived myself because of that. yeah. So honestly, like that's, that's my first memory of my life, which is a little sad in some regards, but, um, well, obviously it had a, had a big impact and it was something that, that then influenced you, whether it was on a, on a more conscious level or a subconscious level on a lot of things for you yeah, then as you yeah, were growing definitely. up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I oddly have like so many, so many memories of that. Cause I even remember like, um, awkward 
awkward moments where I, I lied about my weight to people and like um, just feeling super uncomfortable with that. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting to reflect. I, I, I feel like I actually haven't thought too much about those things <laughs> um, more recently as I've been learning about myself. Yeah, it's interesting. I've had similar experience um, lately doing a lot of reflecting and kind of going back to different things that happened in childhood or growing up and things that, that I like now, when I go back, I have very vivid memories of them, like you said, or like certain things that people said or certain moments. Um, And I know that they then had an impact on the way that I have been living my life, but um, very subconsciously, like if you had asked me, I would have said, Oh yeah. Like, no, I, I, I'm totally, totally over that. Like, I know that it doesn't, it, it didn't hurt me or didn't, didn't make a difference, but in reality, some, sometimes whatever it is, those things just stick with you and then um, sort of become like this subconscious um, story that, that perpetuates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So currently I'm in grad school and I'm taking a class on multicultural counseling. And Mm -hmm. one of the projects um, that I actually finished yesterday was my cultural autobiography. So talking about how our different identities um, have affected our worldview, how we understand things, and then how we relate to other people. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not planning on being a therapist by any means, but I plan on working in higher education. So Mm -hmm. um, being able to understand how to work with students from very diverse backgrounds um, is really important. And so one of the things, obviously, um, about identities is talking about um, ability or disability. And so Mm -hmm. physical health is one of those things that falls under there. And, um, so it was, it's been really interesting to reflect on, um, kind of the the ways that that shaped me, um, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, I, yeah, I can relate to that in that regard of being able to look back and be like, oh, do I do this because of, you know, growing up and having this, this background, um, yeah. <laughs> so interesting. So what are some of the ways then as you started to grow up, um, you know, through elementary school, middle school, high school that you think that event then impacted you? Um, it brought it to my conscious awareness. Um, and growing up, I, um, I just, I, I was always aware of it, but I always felt like I didn't know how to manage it. And so mm-hmm. after that experience that I had had, I remembered um, I would kind of watch how my peers would eat in the lunchroom and I began to eat slower because I was like, oh, well, like, you know, they're, since I, I seem to have this weight problem, like I'm going to pay attention to make sure that I don't eat more than they do. And mm-hmm. I would notice that they didn't eat as much as I did. And so um, I wouldn't eat my whole lunch at, at school, but then I would go home and I would be so hungry because mm-hmm. I just, I wanted more food that um, I, I wouldn't pay attention to what I was eating, but I would get home and just snack and snack and snack. Mm-hmm. Um and as I reflect, so I, I moved um, from the Ann Arbor area up towards the Flint area um, when I was around 10 and dealing with the emotions of that move and things like that. Um, I discovered that I really used food as a coping mechanism mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. And so uh, both feeling disconnected from people, feeling di- disconnected from myself emotionally, um, some even family things that I was going through at that point or ways that I perceived that my family wasn't there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just turn to food almost always. Like, um, like I had said, I, I would get home from school and I would end up eating like a can of soup and a whole bag of Doritos and a grilled cheese and all those things. And then my parents would come home in two hours and be like, okay, what's for dinner? So then we would eat more food. And for yeah. me, it was just really normal. It was like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm eating, you know, um, but as I began to realize that my weight increased even more and more, um, 
I want to say I was age 14 and I was up to um, 180 pounds or something along those lines. And I went for a doctor's consult and they had told me like, Hey, you know, um, you should really consider medical weight loss. You might, we, mm. you might be a candidate for bariatric surgery. Um, yeah. And I remember, you know, they, they were telling me that I needed to change how I was eating. So I got these recommendations um, and I was like, well, no, I don't want to pay money for that. Like that's, that's too much. Um, and so I had tried to manage m- myself. Um, but even then, like, I, I just didn't really understand how food worked. I didn't understand um, some of the things they were telling me along with like high cholesterol and mm-hmm. um, high blood pressure and things along those lines. And so um, at that point, I think it brought an awareness that um, I didn't really know what I was doing with food. Um, and you and were so, young too, right? And I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure, you know, even being that age, the foods that you're exposed to at school, that like just the general food environment, there's probably not great information. And from your doctors, there's also not great information about how to actually eat in a healthy pattern. Um, I love that the acronym for the standard American diet is sad um, (laughs) because that's what I grew up with. Like, um, our, like cupboards were always full of chips and canned soups and, um, our freezer was stocked with like fried chicken and mm-hmm. um, like French fries and things like that. And even when I go home now, it's funny because um, my parents still don't eat as healthy as I do. Um, and so they're trying to figure out how to navigate it when I do come home where they'll be like, okay, we went grocery shopping. We got you like a bell pepper. And do you like this type of like chicken? Um, we can get a little extra of that. And it's like, just let me do the grocery shopping. Like I need more than a bell pepper. Mom. <laughs> um, oh, they're so, trying though. They're trying. They're trying. It's very sweet. Um, and I mean, they've, they've gone on their own little journey through this too. Um, but yeah, I just, I think it's really funny that that's kind of that, but growing up, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a sense of what nutrition really was. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, like I, I'm still learning so much about it, even though it's been, I don't know, five, almost six years since I really started to understand it for myself and see changes. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's just like, it's so crazy, but in one regard, it's there, you can always learn more, but then it's really just about applying the, the basic things and doing that mm-hmm. well and doing it consistently, you know? Yeah. So obviously, you know, there's this whole sea of information you're trying to sort through as a young teenager, um, for yourself to figure this out. Um, what, what was it that helped you to sort through it? Or what were some of the things that you tried that really seemed to help move you in the right direction? Um, well, I'll first start with what I tried that didn't help. And then I'll get to, um, (laughs) what did help. So I remember, um, right around the time that, that I was told, uh, that I should consider bariatric sur- surgery. Um, mm-hmm. I tried calorie tracking, but like I said, I didn't really understand what that was. Um, mm-hmm. and so I actually remember having these like printed food blogs that I would write, write out. Um, and there was one week that I was like really proud of myself and I am not proud of myself for this in any way, shape or form now. Um, but I had gone through like a whole week and I was calorie tracking and I was eating like 800 calories a day and I felt oh miserable, like I absolutely cannot. miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like, I just wanted that discipline. I was like, no, like I'm doing this for a good reason. Like this is going to mm-hmm. help me. And, um, I think I ended up losing like 13 pounds in that one week. And I don't know how much wow. of that was water weight, but, mm-hmm. um, that was actually right after I got to about my heaviest, which was 220. Um, yeah. But I, I remember like this obsession with food and trying to um, restrict how much I was eating or just go days where I would quote fast because mm-hmm. I also grew up in the church. And so, um, you know, 
merging it as a religious discipline made me feel a little bit better about the ways mm-hmm. that I was treating my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would try to manage those things, but then as soon as, you know, um, my body caught up with me and was like, you're really hungry. Then I would end up binging and, um, kind of undoing some of the work that I felt like I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it took a couple of years of kind of navigating through that, but then also in the middle of that, um, having more of like a, an emotional, um, realization that, mm-hmm people didn't love me because I was a certain weight. People didn't, you know, hate me because I had gained 10 pounds. Like people loved me for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. and it wouldn't matter if I got down to 130 pounds. Like it, it really wouldn't. People would still know me as Jessica and they might yeah. be like, wow, you've made this huge transformation, yeah. but it wouldn't actually change my worth as a human. Um, and so it was, it was that realization that I think helped me to kind of step back from the, the ways that I had been trying to manage um, my weight and be more um, confident in myself, mm-hmm. um, which is actually what, <laughs> what set no, me up for. Um, yeah, it's actually what set me up for the success that I did find because it wasn't any longer about trying to get people to love mm-hmm. me, but it was about being able to say, okay, because I know I'm a value. How about I, I treat myself like I'm a value and let's figure this out so that I am caring for myself. That's amazing. And I think for so many people, that probably is that or something similar is probably like the root of, of um, why we have so many struggles with food and body image and all these things. And it's amazing that you were able to come to that realization, especially so young. What was it that you think helped you to make that connection and make that realization for yourself and really like really embody? Cause it's one thing to sort of say it and know it, but mm-hmm. it's another thing to actually like really feel it and, and then allow yourself to make the changes. Yeah. Um, honestly, for me, it was uh, my faith. So mm. there was a, a verse in Song of Solomon, um, Song of Solomon 4-7. And I have it memorized because I told myself it every day um, while I was dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And it was, you are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Um, and so just being able to speak that over myself and be able to say like, yes, like, no, you are loved. Like, mm-hmm. you're not a mis- like, you're not a mistake. You're not like this terrible person because of the way that your body looks or the way that Mm -hmm. you even feel in your body, like, yes, you're loved. Like Mm -hmm. if we can understand that, then like, that's going to change a lot of things. And um, so it was really just that it was being able to see myself as a person of value and say like, I am loved. I don't have to do anything else. That's so beautiful. Wow. So once you started to really make that realization and embody that, what were some of the changes that followed in terms of your lifestyle and how you were taking care of your body? Um, it really was just not paying too much attention to food, um, Mm -hmm. and just letting, um, myself focus on things that really mattered, the people around me, um, my schooling at that point, I was also in high school. So I was doing theater and I was super involved in, um, a lot of things as I tend Mm -hmm. to be (laughs) the human that I am. (laughs) Um, and so it was really just getting to, um, love the life that I was living and not focus on that as much. And I think, um, for a while, I I hovered around like 207 at that point. So I the the weight that I had lost unhealthily um, somehow stayed off. Um, <laughs> and so I I focused more on that, and I wasn't really consumed by those things. Um, mm-hmm. And it was actually when I started college um, at Oakland that I knew that I wanted to make this change, and I knew um, that I wanted to be more consistent with working out. And so I had my calendar and I would put it in my calendar. It's like, yes, Jess, like you're going to go to the gym because yes. you have it in your calendar. 
And I found out that didn't work for me because <laughs> I would put it in my calendar after class and it would take just one thing like, you know, mm-hmm. to, to throw me off. So um, I would try to go after my 3.30 class, but you know, like maybe I was a little hungry after class or maybe somebody was like, Hey, do you want to go do this thing with me real quick? Or any, <laughs> anything that somebody could say, I was like, yeah, I'll do that instead of go to the always, gym. Yeah. Oh, it's, um, it's always more fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I was in my sophomore year. I think it was my sophomore year after like a year of trying to figure out how to do that. Um, I saw an advertisement for our campus rec center um, for the biggest loser program, which is what it was called then. Okay. Um, now it's called like recharge or something like that. <laughs> um, but it was the first time that they were um, doing the biggest loser program. And so I like talked to my parents over Christmas break. Cause it's supposed to start in January. And I was like, Hey, like, should I do this? It's like, I, I want to say it was like hundred or one fifty, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, should I do this mom? And um, I think the thing that sold me on it is, I found out that like, you know, we would, we would get personal training during it. It was like $4 oh. for personal training each week. And That's I was amazing. like, Oh, like this is a really good deal. Um, and totally. so I signed up, um, partially for just having a trainer help me understand how to use the gym. Um, but also because I knew that I'm the kind of person that if somebody else holds me to a standard, I mm-hmm. will meet it. And mm-hmm. so I could do all I wanted to say, just like put it in your calendar and it's going to go there. But you know how you can just kind of tweak with your calendar and like, sure. oh, this can move. But the moment <laughs> you have a meeting with somebody else, like you're going to show up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and being the type A person that I I was and still am to some regard, mm-hmm. although I've relaxed a lot <laughs> um, <laughs> in regard to where I was in high school um, and in, in early college, um, I knew that like, you know, if somebody else was expecting me to do this, then like I would show up. Mm-hmm. And so I had signed up for it and, um, the, the essence of it was you would track your food. So I got to learn how to use my fitness pal for the first time, um, okay. and turn in food logs to your coach. Um, mm-hmm. and then you would do a weekly weigh in and you had two personal or two group personal training sessions. Um, and then you had to, sh- to clock into the, uh, rec one other time during the week. And that was it. It was okay. just, you know, having that consistency. Um, yeah. and so I remember two of the things that were kind of transformative to me um, during that experience was, well, three, I guess I should say. Um, <laughs> the first was learning how to track food and mm. be aware of how much I was eating. Mm-hmm. And so it was funny because um, I actually was uh, interviewed by the program for uh, like a year ago, the the cohort of um, students and staff that were doing it at Oakland. Okay. Um, they had me do an interview to like share my progress and help um, yeah. motivate people who are in the same position and give some kind of tips of, um, my, my success story. Um, mm-hmm. and I remember like learning how to use it and, um, like looking back and being like, Oh my gosh, like I so under track everything. Like <laughs> I thought I was eating like 2000 calories, but now I look mm-hmm. at it and I go, no, just probably eating like close to 3000 with like the things <laughs> that you're tracking, but bringing that awareness um, to my mind of being able to say, okay, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm grappling with this. I'm, I'm paying attention to what I'm eating. And even if I'm not tracking it well, um, it, it does bring that awareness to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it first started with that. And I think also being able to, in my mind, like look and say, oh, I didn't realize that this like biscuit was like 250 calories. Mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of being able to associate those things and learn more about the breakdown and like what I was eating each day and um, falling within certain macronutrient percentages and whatnot and being able to say, okay, like, wait, maybe I don't want to eat this. 
because Mm -hmm. it's not actually giving me like something that my body needs right now or being able to like, you know, look at my portions and say, um, you know, I got this, like this half cup of cottage cheese, but I don't know if I actually want to eat the whole half cup of cottage Mm -hmm. cheese. Like I want to, I'm going to like pay attention and listen to my body and see, okay, no, I actually am pretty satisfied with like only a third of a cup or Mm -hmm. only half of that. Um, so I think first that awareness, um, of the, the start of me understanding, um, what I was putting in my body and getting feedback from a coach saying like, Hey, you have really hot sodium and everything that you're <laughs> eating. Like, let's pay attention to this as you're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second was, um, discovering that I actually liked working out. Mm, um, that's a nice surprise. After all those times you moved it on your calendar. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I, what I think was so interesting is like, I didn't realize how much it affected my mental state mm-hmm. and my emotional state. And I want to say it was about six weeks into the, the program that I, I typically would work out in the morning. So I'd wake up, go to the gym around eight, eight thirty, nine mm-hmm. if I was feeling really lazy and I didn't have class afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I ended up missing the gym one day cause I slept in and the whole rest of the day, I don't know why I was really emotional and I showed up to class and I was like frustrated about things. And one of my friends had brought up something. And I ended up crying in front of him. And I was like, why am I crying? Like, this isn't a big deal, Jess. Like, yeah. <laughs> what? Like, why can't you handle yourself right now? And there was just that moment that went, Jess, you didn't work out this morning. Mm-hmm. And I went, I don't think that's it. But I'm going to go to the gym anyways. So then I went to the gym. And as soon as I went out of the gym, I had like a clear head. And my I was like, oh, yeah, no. No, I just really needed this to works. go to the gym. This works. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. gosh. I can totally relate on that. I remember there was a two week period where I didn't work out at all. And I was super depressed, just like terrible mood, really down. I think I, I think I ended up going to the gym, like crying. And then as soon as I finished the workout and walked out, I was like, Oh, I feel great again. This is exactly why I'm feeling so down. So yeah, yeah I think, <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. It's just, um, it's so hard sometimes when you're when you get busy or you're like kind of caught in a slump, but then, you know, what it does, just what it does for your mental state alone, I feel, Mm -hmm. I feel like is makes it worthwhile, worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing that I learned, um, through the program is that I'm really competitive. Mm, (laughs) Um, Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So actually like being able to, um, track myself against other people, um, Mm -hmm. was really helpful. So, um, obviously everyone started the program at different weights. And so instead of like learning, um, like how much weight they were losing, we would get like different percentages and things like that. And so I would look, um, and see on the, um, stats that we would get each week, we'd get like the top three people, um, mm-hmm. for weight loss wise. And I remember there was this one guy that I kept looking at. And I was like, this guy's like, I think he's lost like 25 pounds already. And I've only lost 15 and we're eight weeks in, like, I don't want him to win. Um, <laughs> and so Good motivation. Uh, I, it was. And so I, I remember going from where I was going about four days a week to going five or six days a week and just like really motivated, loving mm-hmm. um, how I was feeling more comfortable in my body, finding out I could do things that I never thought I would be able to do, um, lifting things heavier. And I was like, wait, I can lift up more than 10 pounds? Like, what? <laughs> um, funny, since I've been in CrossFit, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> you can do a lot more than that. A lot um, more. But like, it was partially that, but I remember just being so motivated and like talking to um, the two coaches I had. So I had Vince and Aaron 
Mm-hmm. And Erin was like always super happy that I would show up to class. And I was like, and she's like, oh, like, how are you doing this week? And I was like, I got to win, Erin. Like, I, I got <laughs> to be on the top again. And um, little to my knowledge, I, I had miscalculated where I was in standing with everybody else. And uh-huh. so on the final week of the program, we had our weigh in um, and I had lost 12.1% of my body weight, 24 wow. pounds, um, 25 inches from various points of my body. And the guy that I thought was going to beat me had lost, I think, 7.8% in total. Wow. So you were um, way ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was way ahead. And it was, it was that moment where I was like, whoa, like, I didn't know I could do this. Like, I didn't realize that like this effort would pay off in this way. I didn't realize that like, I like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just loved the way that it made me feel. And I, I learned from just those basic, like learning to go to the gym every day, learning to pay attention to what I was eating. Um, that I found a system that worked really well for me um, and that I, I continue to maintain long after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really grateful for the waves that that springboarded me to, to where I am right now. It sounds like it. And I love how you highlighted just the components of that program that were really helpful for you, like the having a little bit of friendly competition, um, bringing the awareness and then the consistency with you know, being and being held accountable by having other people that you were accountable to. Um, so then when you finished that 12 weeks, sort of where did that take you? And then at what point did you find CrossFit? Um, so I continued those habits um, pretty consistently throughout the rest of my undergrad. So I had um, about two years left of undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, I actually became an ACE certified personal trainer um, oh, awesome. because I wanted to be able to help um, train mm-hmm. some of the other people. Um, yeah. And so I didn't actually end up finishing it by the time of my senior year um, to be a train a personal trainer for the program, but I was um, a coach, um, mm-hmm. a motivational coach for the last um, year that I was there. Um, but I did that. And then I also got a couple of different uh, nutrition certifications. Um, and I was just really interested in not only like understanding more of why I was successful mm-hmm. um, in these realms, but then also being able to say like, okay, well, I know what it's like to feel like, you know, where I was and where I started this position and feeling um, in some regard, like hopeless, even though, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I, I, when I finally made the changes, it wasn't because I was so motivated to make these changes. It was just like, all right, somebody tell me what to do. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm done. <laughs> I just need somebody to hold me accountable to this yeah. and say like, yes, do this. Um, and so I knew that I wanted to be able to work with people who kind of felt in that same position, um, who had struggled with nutrition, who had struggled with our own self-image, um, and knew that having somebody else, one, know where they were, but to help them to get where they wanted to be was something that I wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started CrossFit, um, actually when I returned home from undergrad, um, I want to say I started in October of 2017, um, mm-hmm. And I, I went to the, the local box, um, which was CrossFit to a war. Um, absolutely mm-hmm. loved my experiences there. Um, also Jen and Andrew. Andrew. Yeah, Jen and Andrew, I, I adore them. <laughs> They're the best. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I started in 2017. Um, I remember when Jen told me to put more than 55 pounds on the barbell for a squat, and I was <laughs> terrified. And she was like, okay, like, do 80 pounds. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's way too heavy. I'm going to break my back or something. Um, and then, you know, like a, a month later, I actually ended up hurting myself when I first started CrossFit. Um, mm. I got, uh, I broke my wrist actually from a back oh, wow. squat, which is like a, a really weird 
thing if you want to understand yeah. the mechanics of it. Um, but I, I became a, um, a training lesson for all of the CrossFit one, uh, or level one uh, students because they're like, okay. okay, make sure you know how to bail a bar because I didn't know how to. Um, important details. Yeah, important details. Um, but I mean, even then I had learned like, oh, I can squat 155 pounds. I didn't ever think that was something that I could That's do. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it, I don't know. It was cool because CrossFit helped me to realize that I could do a lot more with my body than I thought that I could. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, if you look back to what your health was like, maybe when you were a teenager or young adolescent to where you are now, what are some of the biggest things that you think um, that you do differently now or that are, that are different about your health? Um, I think this is, I think there's a lot of components to it, but I actually think the most important one is that I don't feel disembodied anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't feel disconnected from my mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. Um, whereas growing up, I think because of, um, where I was with my own self-image and, um, discontent with my content with, with discontentment with my body. Um, mm-hmm. but I really just, I wasn't fully present. Um, and so that manifested in the ways that I ate that manifested in, um, the, the activity that I did or didn't do and, um, the ways that I, I understood myself and I understood the world and I understood relationships. And so now to center health, um, is just being present, being able to recognize when something is off kilter, being able to mm-hmm. recognize like, Hey, Jess, like, you don't really need food. You need to talk to that person that you're upset with, or like, mm-hmm. you need to go sit down and reflect and figure out like, Hey, where is this coming from? What are you afraid of right now? Where is that like lie or that fear um, that's motivating you to try not to be present in this moment mm-hmm. um, and to cope with it in some way. Um, so I think that's the primary thing, but then also just the disciplines that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I am often told by people <laughs> that um I'm very impressive or intimidating or Mm -hmm. um because of the the level of discipline that I lead but it's all for the aim of knowing that I want to be a particular person like I want Mm -hmm. to be the best person that I can be um when I show up for my job when I show Mm -hmm. up for schooling when I show up with students when I show up for my roommates Mm -hmm. um and I recognize that being disciplined in the ways that I am by being able to pay attention to my food, um, being able to work out every morning um, mm-hmm. or do some sort of stretching or whatever that looks like. Um, and the prayer that I do in the morning that it, it helps me to be a better human, a better rounded mm-hmm. human. Um, so I think that's the major component is that I, I do prioritize my health um, because I recognize that health doesn't just take a physical form, but it takes mm-hmm. um, so many different forms. And being balanced is the best way to be. I love that. I think that's so beautiful because I think it can be so easy to focus on the physical things and, and, you know, really obsess about tracking your calories or, you know, the details of your workouts. But when you actually start looking at your emotional, spiritual health first, the rest of those things come a lot easier instead of feeling like you're just fighting yourself every single day. So yeah, that's amazing. What, um, what would you tell someone who is in a similar situation, or if you could go back and give yourself advice when you were maybe 
12 years old. <laughs> I was going to say, I have different responses, whether it's me or somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that if it was me, my 12-year-old self, that I would look at her and I would tell her, one, that she's beautiful. Um, two, that I see her and I mm-hmm. see um, the ways that she feels about herself. I see the ways that she um, obsessive and, except, obsesses. And um, I actually have a memory of when I was 12, like crying um, and praying like in tears of God, just like if I could wake up in the morning and not have the stomach, like mm-hmm. I would just, I would do anything just to, to be like that. Like, I don't want to be like this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I would want to tell her that there's hope <laughs> that like, but it doesn't come through the the methods that she thought it would. It doesn't mm-hmm. come through um, her hatred of herself, but actually her her love of herself mm-hmm. um, and that she is utterly worthy and loved and she doesn't have to do anything more or anything less um, than, than what she already does. Um, so I think, I know that's probably weird because it's not like, oh, hey, just like, just be more disciplined. Or whatever, no, that's like, beautiful. I think we should record that and play it for every 12-year-old girl right now. <laughs> Everyone needs yeah. to hear that. Or... 30-year-old girl. I mean, everyone needs to hear that. Yeah. Um, so that's I think, perfect. Yeah. I would just, I would want, I, yeah, I guess it, it wouldn't just even be for me, but I can, I can speak very potently to the 12-year-old me. I'll mm-hmm. be able to say like, hey, in this moment, you're seen and you're known and you're loved and you're accepted and you don't yeah. have to do anything differently. Um, but, but to actually realize that and then embody that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that. What are your long-term goals now? You said you want you you know it's really important for you to show up in every area of your life and be the best person that you can be. Um, what are your goals now as you look forward to the future? Um, I think one of the things that I have done in my learning from all of this stuff um, and just organizing my life is. I realize how important what I do every day matters. And so I make sure that what I'm doing is leading towards a larger goal. Um, And so as a person of faith, like I want to live a faith that brings healing to the world. And so Mm -hmm. that includes like the routines that I have, like having coffee and reading the Bible, um, being involved in a church, but also, um, you know, just really connecting with the people that are around me and being able to to listen. Um, And I actually think that my multicultural counseling class of everything is like helping me the most because I'm realizing how to be present with people and to listen to their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like one of my goals is actually just to be um, a healing force for people in the world. It's to be present with everyone who's there. And um, one of the philosophies that I hold is like, I don't care whether you're in my life for a week or for like 10 years. Um, I want the impact that I have on you to be something that is substantial. I want it to be something that um, changes the way that you understand yourself, that you see yourself, that you would look at yourself with more compassion and more grace, um, especially for the darker parts of our stories or the parts that you might feel ashamed of or um, the parts of your story that you even want to forget, um, that you don't think have a place at the table. Um, I want you to realize that they do, that you are whole because you have all of those things. And not because you don't have those things or you forgot them or you push them aside. Um, so I think that's, that's my one goal um, in, in my faith what, life. 
Mm -hmm. Which is incredible. Um, And just to think like, like the ripples that that will have, like the impact that you can have just by focusing on the one person in front of you and trying to have that kind of impact on their life and then how they will touch so many other lives. It's, it's just, um, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I have that, <laughs> that first goal. <laughs> um, the other is actually more vocationally oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and so currently I am getting my doctorate in higher education student affairs um, with a minor concentration in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Wow. Fancy titles, I know. (laughs) Fancy titles. Um, But right now, my research is trying to understand a particular scholarship program um, in the state of Indiana and understanding um, low-income and minority students' experiences with the university, um, Mm -hmm. and in particular, being able to help um, first recognize the, the experiences that they have and the ways that the university fails them and fails to support them. Um, by looking at where students drop out and why students drop out um, or when students lose funding, how they navigate those situations um, so that we can eventually hopefully change the university to be more supportive of students, to be able Mm -hmm. to accommodate to um, the craziness of these journeys like COVID, that has a huge impact on students and the rest of the world. But like, we don't, Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily know as a, as an organization, how to um, meet these students' needs. And so primarily Um, that's one of the ways that I want to, I want to understand those things. And then I want to change policies so that Mm -hmm. the university isn't something that is this white elite institution that has these weird barriers of entry and access Mm and, um, then navigating is a whole nother experience Mm -hmm. for students. Mm -hmm. Um, but I want it to be something that actually benefits people. (laughs) I want it to be something that, um, brings more inclusion and more life into the world instead of, um, (laughs) I think the way that it's currently operating. Um, largest goal, if I could be like the secretary of education one day when I'm like 60, like cool. That's amazing, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to go with just, you know, some um, higher level policy, something. Um, and then the other like personal goal that I have um, is I really want to um, be a badass grandma who's 90 years old and like, still weightless and rock climbs yes. and can get on the floor with her grandkids and like play with them and not need somebody to pick me up. Like I want to be able to, um, to have my movement and mobility and my health, uh, dialed in. And, and I recognize that being 25 right now, like, and knowing that that's the goal that I have is really helpful mm-hmm. because, um, it's about the daily habits that I'm doing. Like, I'm not going to get there if I decide at 70, then like, I want to be there. Right. But being able right. to be 25 and say, okay, you know, I know I'm young. I can still at this point in my life, like I can focus on things like building more muscle and mm-hmm. um, and these habits so that when I'm older and life changes, then there's all these fluctuations between here and there that as long as I know that I'm adding up these small little things um, today, like I can get there. <laughs> I can be 90 <laughs> like mm-hmm. still in the CrossFit gym, like some of the really cool people that are at the gym right now, um, who are so inspiring just to be like, Oh, Hey Jean, you're 85 and you're still like here every day. And so, yeah, I know that's, um, one of the goals that I want because even though hopefully I'll retire before I'm 90, who knows, Mm -hmm. I'm a little sporadic and have too much energy. So (laughs) I could be that 85 year old who's just like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm still, (laughs) I'm I'm still going to be doing something. Oh yeah. Um, but I know that I want to be able to give back, um, to my community and my family and be able to, um, be fully present with them. So that's one of the ways that I get to is, um, 
by maintaining this journey of health mm-hmm. for the long term. I love it. I love it. Those are amazing goals. Um, okay. So as we start to wrap up, I want to ask the three questions that I ask at the end of every podcast. So the first one is what are the three things that you do now that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Um, the first thing, which I, I know that I fluctuated in and out. And so I'm finally getting back to it. Um, now that I have, um, a better schedule, um, is planning out my meals before I leave the house. And so, Mm. so, um, being able to (laughs) like pack my lunch and be able to pack that before, um, I get there is just so helpful because then I'm not questioning whether I'm eating the right amount of fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, currently I, I go for the 800 gram challenge. Nice. Um, and so like being able to be like, Oh, I packed like 400 grams of veggies in my lunch and I have a lean mm-hmm. protein. Um, mm-hmm. just when I don't have to think about something, it's really easy. And totally. having that pre thought of like, Oh, you know, I can spend the morning, spend this five minutes and it's going to set me on track, um, for my day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just really helpful to have that. Um, the second, um, I would say is just going to the gym anyways, mm-hmm. <laughs> even when <laughs> like having that habit. Um, I think it's in a Ben Bergeron podcast from Chasing Excellence where he makes a comment of like learning to make statements of like, I'm the kind of person that goes yeah. to the gym every morning, mm-hmm. regardless of like how sore I am. And so like, mm-hmm. you know, being able to recognize that if I'm super sore, like I don't necessarily have to go as hard, but I still mm-hmm having the consistency of showing up, whether it's like, I have to go super early or it's Mm -hmm. really gross and I don't want to walk to the gym because it's 20 degrees or there's four (laughs) feet of snow. Like, um, just knowing that I am the kind of person that does that, Mm -hmm. um, I think it is, has been really helpful for my health. Mm -hmm. Um, and the third is checking in with myself to make sure that I am listening to my body. Um, whether that's as I'm eating, chewing slower and making sure that I'm tasting the food and not just scarfing it down because that can be so easy to do, especially when you live a very busy life of just mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, I have two minutes to eat. So like, let's eat this whole meal. Like, right. no, Jess, <laughs> like, <laughs> sit it down, sit down and enjoy it. But then also mm-hmm. um, be able to take that time and be like, hey, Jess, like I, I actually notice when um, like I'll start to shake my leg or when I like can't focus or things like that and be like, okay, what is my body telling me in this moment? Mm -hmm. Because it's probably like something that I'm not paying attention in this regard. So if, um, you know, I'm nervous, Hey, Jess, like, let's just breathe for a second. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Like what, what's going on in your mind that is causing this response in your body and how Mm -hmm. can you be attentive to it instead of ignore it? That's great. That's great. What about one thing that you think would have an impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or something that um, you would like to work on? That's a good question. My first thought is climbing. Um, So I actually um, have been climbing for a while. I started climbing about two years ago, rock climbing that is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was really impressed with the ways that, um, like showing up at the gym every day, um, with climbing anyways, like improved, um, a lot of my like mental health and just like the rhythms mm-hmm. that I had. Um, mm-hmm. but since I've moved to Indianapolis, um, the climbing gym is a little bit further away. And so I haven't been as consistent in that discipline. Um, mm-hmm. and so I actually, because it's like 15, 
20 minutes away and it used sure. to be right down the road. It was like mm-hmm. a mile. Um, I think that doing that would actually be really beneficial for me because of some of the goals that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I, I currently have a hard time implementing. Um, but it's mm-hmm. also because I don't have as much of a climbing community right now. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when I was, um, in Bloomington, like I could show up at the gym and it didn't matter even during COVID, like I would know somebody mm-hmm. and I could get a climbing partner. Sure. Um, but right now being in a, a newer location, cause I moved here about, um, two months ago, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's not really easy to like walk up to some random stranger and be like, Hey, do you want to give me a catch so I can climb yeah. harder? Yeah. Um, so I think even like cl- finding a climbing partner, so I can be more consistent is something that would be really beneficial. Cool. Um, last question is what does a healthy life look like to you? Um, I mean, I've mentioned this (laughs) throughout (laughs) here, but just being present, Mm -hmm. um, and knowing the things that matter most to me and making sure that I'm checking them off every day. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, that means my faith, that means my relationships, that means, um, my physical health in some regards. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also means, um, with the work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. not seeking to be happy in a moment, but knowing the things that are going to lead to a f- fulfillment in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it. That's a great note to end on. Um, this has been amazing. And thank you so much for sharing your story, but also I think your just your insight and your perspective is so refreshing. Um, and so I know I, learned from it a lot. And I think that other people listening will learn from it a lot too. So thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you or someone you know has a story to share on a future episode of Pursuing Health, please write me at info at pursuing-health.com. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please also consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people.